Well, I'm excited to jump into 1 Timothy. Uh, we just concluded our, our sexual revolution series, and God did a lot. Um, but now we're going to jump into a, kind of a different series. We're going to begin to talk about the church, and we're going to begin to talk about uh, what Paul tells Timothy, how the church ought to look, what the church ought to be like. And I'm excited for this because every series that we go into, I have a prayer uh, that I pray to God that I'm asking specifically for our church. And I'm just asking that all of us would fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ. Some of you think that's an amazing thing. Okay? That we would just fall more in love with Jesus Christ, that we would as a church fall more in love with one another, um, that, that people would look at urban church and they'd say, wow, these people really do love Jesus by the way they're expressing love, not only to the people that go to the church, but the people in their community. And so I'm praying that I'm praying that, that we are more excited about worship. Come on, was worship awesome today? And that we would get more excited in worship, that we'd understand why is that tall, good-looking guy up front lifting his hands? That's me, in case you didn't know. And, and you know, he's lifting his hands, and is, does he, he obviously doesn't know how to dance. Come on, somebody. Um, you know, I just jump when I dance. That's it. I don't know any moves, all right? And, uh, you know, why, why is he doing that, you know? And that we would understand that I'm just excited and passionate about Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life and what he's going to do in your life today. And that we begin to set some things in order and begin to understand some stuff and that we would just really become uh, more of the church that Jesus Christ died for, that glorious, beautiful church that we would express that uh, every day of our lives. And so that's my prayer for us as we go through this series. As we go through it, we're going to cover six chapters in six weeks. Uh, we won't get, you know, to touch, you know, uh, real in-depth on every verse, and so we're going to highlight uh, a section of verses from each chapter, although we'll read the whole entire book through, which is an exciting thing for some of you because you've never read a whole book of the Bible before, and so you get to read through it with us, and so we'll do that, make some stops along the way, and uh, just see what God does uh, in our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, I thank you that your word declares in it that it is living, it's active, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that that word would come forth today and touch us in our hearts and touch us where we're at today. Uh, Lord, no matter what our need is, God, no matter where we find ourselves, the season of life we're in, that you would speak to us in that moment. Holy Spirit, I pray you would anoint me now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's jump right in. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Going to start with verse 1. We're going to read through the whole uh, thing today. And it reads this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus... By command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Paul is obviously the one writing this letter, okay? He is the author of the book of 1 Timothy. He also authored 2 Timothy, and he authored Titus. These later became known in the 18th century as the pastoral epistles. Obviously, as Paul is writing it, he's simply writing a letter to Timothy to begin to instruct him in some things, all right? And it says this in verse 2, To Timothy, my true child. In the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Timothy is in Ephesus. Paul is in Macedonia. Paul is now approaching his later years of his life. Uh, This is written sometime between AD 62 and AD 66, towards his later years, towards his second imprisonment. And he's now writing to Timothy in Ephesus. And we're going to see here uh, in just a minute the reasons for this letter. I think it's interesting to note that in the first two verses, how many times Christ Jesus our Lord is mentioned? Just in the first two verses, in other words, Paul is coming with a message, and he's coming with a letter and a message to Timothy, but right off the bat, knowing that Timothy is going to not just read this for himself, but this is going to be read probably to the church and other church attenders, and Paul wanted to set some things in order. Look, I am called by Christ Jesus our Lord, 
And he even begins to bring definition to who that is, which gives us some insight to what's taking place in Ephesus. He said the true Savior, the one Savior. And this is highlighted in the very uh, first two verses of this chapter. And uh, let's move on. Verse 3. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than than stewardship from God, that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love, or the result of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either of what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. It's amazing to me how confidence can come across as truth sometimes. And Paul is warning Timothy here, hey, be leery of that. Verse 8, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and I love this part, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Isn't that awesome? He just gets tired of listing it out, and he's just like, you know what, whatever else is contrary to what you've been taught, just that stuff. That's why Christ, you know, gave us the law, okay? All these these things. Verse 11, in accordance with the gospel of the glory uh, of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Um, I love that section of verses, and I love the way Paul writes this letter. Now, remember, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy, but right at the beginning, he says this, to my true son in the faith, or my true child in the faith. In other words, this brings weight to the letter because Paul is writing as a father to a son, okay? So it lets us understand this, that what Paul is communicating to Timothy is very important, but not only that, it gives us a mindset in which Timothy would receive the letter. I remember when I got married 14 and a half years ago, I had my pastor, Pastor Wendell Smith, do our ceremony. And uh, he was, he's one of my heroes in the faith, a great pastor, a great leader. And uh, man, the things that he had to say at our wedding were, were good. Man, they were powerful. But there was a moment in my wedding where my dad got up, and uh, he knew he would be teary-eyed as he, as he performed this for his baby. I'm the youngest of four, and I, I'm the baby of the family, also the best looking, the smartest. And that's another story. And so when my dad got up, he had this letter, which he then sent to me later, and I have, uh, you know, in a, in a folder, so I can pull it out and read it any time. And he, he spoke some words into me and to my wife. And man, I can't remember a thing, unless I go back to the video, what, that, what my pastor said, but those words that my father spoke to me were so impacting, were so powerful, carried so much weight. Why? Because it was a father speaking to a son. And this is what's taking place in Timothy. A father is speaking to a son. Now in these, these, these next few verses we just looked at here, we begin to get an insight of why he's writing. Okay? And we see this. We see that there is, some, there is some stuff happening in Ephesus. Not just in the city, but in the church. There's some garbage taking place. There are obviously people that are, are using the law for selfish motives. They're using it for selfish gain. They're using it to promote themselves or, or some weird movement. Uh, That's why Paul says, look, the law is good if it's used what it's intended for. 
What's it intended for? It's intended for perjurers, for liars, for homosexuals, for anything that's contrary to sound doctrine, okay? That's what the law is there for. And he's writing to Timothy, and I love this. It says, Timothy, I urge you to stay in Ephesus. I urge you, okay? That's a strong word, which tells us this. Timothy wanted to get out of Dodge. He didn't want to be there any longer. Timothy was dealing with some jacked up people. There was a lot of stuff taking place in Ephesus to the point where Timothy wanted to leave. He didn't even want to be there. So now Paul has to write and says, no, no, I urge you, stay there. As a matter of fact, it gets so bad that Timothy, is, he's got all these people he's dealing with. Welcome to being a pastor. Come on, somebody. He's got all these issues. And here's what I've realized. Wherever there's people, there's issues. You know, if you don't want issues, just go to a remote place and never talk to anybody. Okay? But then you've got to deal with yourself. <laughs> and sometimes your issues are worse than somebody else's issues. Wherever there's people, there's issues, but these issues were so bad, apparently, that Timothy didn't even want to be there any longer. He just wanted to leave. I know that I'm called. I know that you told me to go here, Paul, but I want out. I don't want to be here. Apparently, it gets so bad that we see in 1 Timothy chapter 5 that, that Timothy's getting sick a lot. And in 1 Timothy 5, 23, it says, Hey, Timothy, don't just drink water only. Drink some wine for your tummy. Come on, somebody. Somebody wrote that one down right there. They're getting liberated right now. Like, hey, talk about that one, Pastor. Come on. You know, that, that helps me with my kids. All right, you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? It got so bad that he's getting sick all the time. He's like, look, you just need to chill out. Drink a glass of wine, okay? That's what it says. We'll get there. We'll get there. I'm just giving you the Bible today, all right? It was so bad. And Timothy wanted to get out. He did not want to be there. What, what, the, what the bulk of what was taking place is people were twisting the word of God. They were twisting the law. They were, they were coming up with bad doctrine. Okay? And now Paul is writing Timothy as a son saying, listen, son, you need to stay there because the only way to counteract bad doctrine is with sound or good doctrine. Okay? What is doctrine? Doctrine is the right teachings of the word of God. People take that and twist that and use it for selfish gain, use it for their own motives. Uh, lest you think that was just back then, it still happens today. <laughs> People will write their book about how hell doesn't exist. Okay. And what do we do? We complain about it. Oh, man. But no, no, Paul's saying, look, don't complain about it. Live out good doctrine. Live out sound doctrine. Live, are you with me this morning? Okay. Uh, we have something going on in our, in, our, in our state right now called SB48. A lot of people don't know about that. And every time I, I mention it, people are like, what, really? SB48 is, a, is, is, is basically a, a, a prop to get uh, the schools to open up to begin to teach homosexuality, bisexuality, okay? And to teach it, at the, starting at the age of five, it starts in January, in case you know, if you've got kids in school, you might want to look into it. Starts in January. All the history books will be written by 2015, to show the contributions of the bisexual and homosexual community in history, okay? I don't know how we can, you know, with, with the debt that we have, why is, is using our money to rewrite history books for that purpose good? I don't know, okay? But this is taking place. I was on a plane not too long ago, and I was sitting next to somebody, and I said, you from California? He said, no, I used to be. I grew up there. I was born there. I, was raised. I love California. I said, where do you live now? He said, Montana. I said, why did you move to Montana? He goes, I can't handle the immorality of California. It is so bad. I said, but you grew up there. Don't you love this place? Nope, not anymore. Can't stand it. Okay? His, his, you know, fix for the problem was, I'm leaving. I'm getting out. This apparently was also 
Timothy's idea of how to fix the problem. Let's just lock the gates on the whole city of Ephesus. Let them do whatever they want. I'm out of here. Okay? But here Timothy says, no, no, that's not the way. Or Paul says, that's not the way it should be. You've got to live out good doctrine, sound doctrine, and you've got to counteract this thing. Yeah, these people are bad, but guess what? That's why the law is written. And Timothy, if it's used rightly, it'll begin to correct this bad doctrine. Now, not only were they taking the Bible and twisting it, but they were coming up with their own doctrines. They were coming up with their own things. They were writing out their own stuff. That's why we did this great series that we just did, the sexual revolution, to begin to set in order what the Bible says about some specific issues. Are you with me this morning? Hello, are you with me? Someone back there sleeping. I did that for that person. Yeah. I love the way Paul writes this to Timothy. He writes it to Timothy, but as we're going to see as we go through it, it goes from Timothy to the church, and then it goes from the church to the culture. Timothy, personal, church, plural, culture, okay? That's, that's, our, that's our goal. We want to change culture. We want to impact culture, okay? But the only way, Timothy, that you're going to impact culture is if you begin to understand what I'm saying to you, son. And he begins to write it to Timothy, knowing Timothy would bring it to the church, knowing that the church would begin to live out sound doctrine, knowing that if the church would begin to live godly, then it would begin to impact the culture. Are you with me? It reminds me of the verse that says this, hey, before you go and try to take take that, that splinter out of somebody else's eye, why don't you get that big log out of your eye? Timothy, I'm talking to you before I can talk to the church. I need to address some things, Timothy, And he goes on in in, in chapter 4 and says, don't let anybody despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in all these areas. Get some stuff out of you, Timothy, so that you can impart to the church, so that the church can go and begin to change culture. What would happen, church, if we begin to do that right here? What would happen if we begin to take this letter that was written to Timothy by Paul, a dear son in the faith, and we begin to examine it and look at it and say, you know what? There are some things in my life I probably need to change. Do I really understand sound doctrine? Do I really understand good Bible teaching? Unfortunately, most Christians sitting in church today don't. You just go ask a Christian after church today, hey, what does it mean to be saved? Ask 10 different people, you'll probably get 10 different responses. Why do we need the Bible? Why do we need sound doctrine? Come on, are you with me this morning? Because we need to begin to set some things in order. We need to begin to understand what it is to be a Christ follower, to be a Christian, and begin to walk in this way. Apparently, there were some that started outright, but yet they swerved. Bible uses this word swerve. Well, if you swerved, you had to be going the right direction, right? I was doing the right thing, but somehow, way, I don't know at what point that happens. I don't know at what point You know, even if you look at today and you look at Christians, maybe people you know, or even look at pastors, people in the pulpit, and you look at their life and you wonder, where did they begin to go this way? I don't know where that happens. Let me ask you this. Where does it happen in your life? Where does it happen when you begin to swerve and you begin to say, oh, it's okay to have sex before marriage? Oh, it's okay for me to be angry right now? Oh, it's okay for me to lie? Where does it happen in your life? Probably at the moment it happens to your life is the moment it happened to somebody else's life. Starts with that one, that one. Apparently they were walking in the right direction and then they, whoop, swerved. And they wondered from the truth. Why, why are you saying that, Pastor? I'm saying that because I know how we are as people. We're listening to this message and we're thinking how good this message is for somebody else. 
Yeah, so-and-so needs to get the, the, the beam out of their eye. Yeah, that's what they need. I know exactly who he's talking about, you know. You see, I know. I know how we are. We always look for that filter of who this message would be good for. Oh, i got to get somebody to listen to this. No, God wants you to hear it. God wants you to deal with some junk in your trunk. Come on, somebody. So you can begin to live right. Come on, so that you can begin to help the church be right, so that you can impact culture. Are you with me? That's good teaching. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let's move on. Verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to this service. I love what he says here. He just got done talking about how people were using this unlawfully and they were doing this stuff and he talks about how bad all these people are here he talks about how people swerved from the truth but here now he makes a statement he says god counted me faithful what did, what does that mean why was paul counted faithful it means this it means that paul probably had every opportunity to swerve just like the rest of them he probably had every opportunity because paul was influential he knew some stuff he did some stuff he had impact on a lot of cities and he at any moment probably could have swerved just like the rest of them but he didn't he remained faithful what he remained faithful to yes to god but how do you remain faithful to god to sound doctrine he remained faithful and because he was found faithful, God then appointed him to this service. What's the service? Of raising up churches across cities, setting up pastors in their place, beginning to encourage them, instruct them, and impart to them. Verse 13. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly and unbelief. Verse 14. And the grace of our Lord overflowed to me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I got one amen. That's a good verse right there. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. Catch what he's saying. This is pretty powerful. You catch what he's saying. In other words, I was so messed up, God had to be really patient with me. As an example, to those who were to believe in him for eternal life, to the king of ages, immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This right here is my favorite part of 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is like the crux of the whole entire letter. This is like the, like the crescendo, but yet it's at the beginning. This is like the premier verse. Listen to what it says. It, Paul is writing. We have a typewriter here. Anybody? You probably didn't know what this was, did you? Like, what is that green thing up on stage? I know, some of you don't know what this is. But Paul probably had one just like this. And he probably sat down a little white desk and he, I don't think he took typing class, so he was a point and peck. Oh, it's broken. And he was probably, you know, penning his little letter. Okay, now think about it, he's writing to his son. 
And he's writing and he's dealing with all these issues. Timothy, I know, I know these people are jacked up. I know these people are messed up. They're immoral. Some of them are homosexuals. They're sexually immoral. They're, they're liars. They're backstabbers. They are messed up people. Timothy, they are so bad. Here, come cry on my shoulder right now. He's writing them. They're bad. And then here, right here, is the premier verse. But remember something. This is a trustworthy saying, Timothy. In other words, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you right now. Pay attention to this. If Jesus would have been saying this, it would have been in red letters. Come on, somebody. Okay? This right here is, is it. If you don't get anything else, if you don't hear anything else in my letter, Christ came for one reason, to save sinners. See, somebody ought to get a little more excited right now about that. Because if you just remember what you did last week, come on, somebody. You'd be like, oh, that's me. That's, that's, you're talking about me right now. I'm in, I'm in there. He named me, sinner. And some of you just remembered, and you probably can't, but remember what you did last night. Come on, somebody. You'd be like, yeah, this is my church right now. Right? But you can't remember. You're like, oh, it's a little blurry. <laughs> Getting too personal, huh? <clears throat> See, I mean, some of you walked in late because you just came back from what you were doing. Well, right? Writing for one reason, Timothy. Christ came to save sinners. And I didn't say Christ came to save really good people. Christ came to save the wealthy. Christ came to save the married. Christ came to save the moral. Christ, no, it says this. That Christ came to save sinners. And that ought to get you really excited. But in case it doesn't, Paul then begins to go on. He probably pauses for a minute having a flashback. Timothy, know this. Christ came to save sinners, period. Get the white out. Comma. Of whom I am the foremost. Timothy, you catching that? Dad, what are you saying? Remember, he's writing to his son. What? You're not, you know, you're my father. I am your father. Think about these. He's reading this letter. They didn't have phones back. They didn't have text messages. It was a letter. This, this, this could possibly be one of the first times, other than I'm sure, you know, Paul shared some stories, but he's sharing this in the light of, hey, look how bad all these people are. They're immoral. They are jacked up. And Christ came for them. And in case you're not catching it, Timothy, I was worse than they were. Dad. Oh. How? No, this can't be. Someone hijacked the letter on the way and put that in there. This, this can't be possible. This is dad. This would be like your dad pulling you aside and saying, hey, by the way, I'm an idiot. Think about this. My daughters have this great hatred for smoking. They've never smoked, <laughs> to my knowledge. <laughs> Can you imagine I pull up at recess, my nine-year-old's by a tree. <laughs> 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 and there's smoke. 
But they probably picked up on things. Now, if you smoke, stop. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. Just stop. You're, you're destroying these things right here. They probably picked up some of the things, but faith really. Like, Kara can like, oh, you know. But faith looks at these people like they are evil. <laughs> like, no, I'm no joke. Like, like, we'll be in the mall, and all of a sudden she'll come over and start talking about Mars. She's like, dude, dude. I'm like, what? I think she's going to tell me. She goes, look over there. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's got a smoker. And so I'm like, yeah, baby, those are bad. Don't ever do that. Oh, I won't, Dad. That, they're evil. Well, baby, they're, yeah, you're right. They're evil. Don't ever, don't ever do that. <laughs> and she just has this hatred for it. Well, about a month into this thing, I don't know what came over me. And, you know, when I, when I met my wife, uh, before she was my wife, she wasn't even saved. I had the opportunity to leave her to the Lord. She was a smoker. And, uh, and so I, Faith one day she pulled on me. I don't know what God came over me. I said, you know mom used to smoke? And she, you should have saw the look on her face. Jaw dropped and everything. <laughs> mom smoked? Yeah. She was bad, Faith. <laughs> what? So we're driving home, and then she's just talking about it and talking about, Dad, Dad, why did mom do that? That's evil. Is mom going to go to heaven still? You know? I'm like, probably not, baby. But we'll enjoy mom while we can. But Okay? And finally we get home and Faith goes bursting the door. He's like, Mom, are you okay? It's a true story. And Mom's like, what? Dad told me. Told you what? You used to smoke. It's an awesome moment for me. <laughs> This is what Timothy must have felt like. Ah! Oh, what are you saying? Paul is trying to drive home some things here. He's trying to get some things across to Timothy. One of which is this, that Timothy, I'm not above, uh, above all these things. As a matter of fact, I used to be involved in that. No, no, it was actually worse than that. If you look at Acts chapter 6, you'll see that actually Paul previously saw was the one holding the coats for the people that would go and kill all the Christians. He wasn't only on the other side, he was taking out the good guys. He was a mass murderer. Matter of fact, when God got a hold of his life, he had letters and he was on his way to kill more people. He was jacked up. This how to get somebody excited. He was so jacked up. Timothy, are you catching this? I was messed up. Timothy, I know you want to leave. I know you want to get out of Dodge. I know that I know that these people, man, they are bad, but something you need to understand, Timothy, Christ came for those people. As a matter of fact, the Christ that came for those people came for me too. Remember, I was worse than them. And if God can save me and my jacked up mess, come on, God can save anybody. And see, that ought to really get you. If you're sitting here today and you're like, well, that's good for them, but it ain't good for me, then guess what? Christ came for you. See, some of you are sitting here like, oh, that's a great message, but you know, I am really, really, really messed up. And you know, I I probably don't actually even belong in church. Good, then you're the one that Christ Jesus came for. Christ came for sinners. And can I just say something? If the church ever gets too neat, too clean, and too pretty, and too perfect, we're doing something wrong. Because Christ came, those people. 
I remember just in, in the sexual revolution series, standing right here, one of the services, and it was when Annie came and spoke, and several prostitutes came to hear her testimony, working girls that had either just got off work or were going to work after they left church. I had a moment to talk with them right here, and just to hear what's going on in their life, and then to share the love of Jesus with them. Absolutely changed me. That's the one that Christ came for. That's the one that Christ came for. That's the very thing that you think disqualifies you from coming to church and being connected with God is the very thing that actually qualifies you. You, you were jacked up. You were messed up. And then Christ, Christ came. So I'm urging you, Timothy, stay. Stay because if someone wouldn't have stayed for me, I wouldn't be writing this letter to you. Stay, Timothy. Set some things in order. Hmm. It makes me think of Luke chapter 7, the story there that talks about who is forgiven much, loves much. A lot of people read Paul's letters and they think, man, he comes across really harsh. No, he comes across with great love because he had been forgiven so much that he was compelled to write this letter. He was compelled to say, look, Timothy, don't leave. There's work there for you to do. Christ came for those people that you really don't want to be around. Verse 18. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy. This charge. What charge? The charge to bring sound doctrine. The charge to live a life that says Christ came for you messed up people. As much as I don't like your bad doctrine, as much as we need to set some things in order, Christ died for you. And I entrust this to you, O Timothy. My child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Listen to the words that are being used here. Timothy, my child, I'm entrusting this with you. Paul knew he was coming to the end of his life. Paul knew that his latter years were, 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 were coming to a close, and he's now entrusting the same mission and the same thing to Timothy. This, now you got to catch this, ladies and gentlemen, because what was written to Timothy was then given to the church, and we are the church. This mission of seeing sinners saved, this mission that Christ came to save sinners, we could put it this way, the church exists to save sinners. That is what we are about. That is why urban exists. We exist to be an access point for people to discover Jesus Christ. Although he is the one that by the Holy Spirit approaches and is working, people's eyes need to be opened up to the truth of God's grace and God's love and God's mercy. This is the mission of the church. For Christ came to save sinners. For the church exists. For the jacked up, the messed up. Are you with me today? It's for you. It's for you. Timothy, I'm entrusting this to you. Urban Church, I'm entrusting this to you. This is your mission. This is our objective. It is not to make this great atmosphere and have wonderful worship, although that feels really good. But since when is Christianity about you feeling really good? You have to stay in some places you don't want to be. Why? 
that sinners can be saved. So people can know Jesus. I'm entrusting to this to you, church. Now, listen to this. By this charge and other things you've received, wage the good warfare. How? Holding faith and a good conscience and by rejecting the other stuff. What's he saying? It's going to be a fight. Not going to be easy. You're not going to wake up every morning like, woohoo! I'm the church! You got your Christian cape on. <laughs> and then you try to fly, boom, you realize you can't, you know? It's going to be a fight. It's going to be tough. It's going to be, going to be hard. But remember, it's a fight worth fighting. Oh, and here's how you're going to do it. By rejecting that bad stuff. And with faith, because you're going to need it. And holding to purity. Purity of what? We, we discover that later. It's a fight. It's a good one. I'm going to give you some stuff so you can do it. Listen to this. I love this last, I love this last part of this section of the letter. This is good. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck their faith. Period. Oh, I should probably give him an example. Erase the period, comma. Among whom are Hymenius and Alexander. He could have put a period there, but he didn't. He put another comma. Whom I have handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Wow. Now remember, remember. Dad is writing to son. Son, I'm going to encourage you. We're going to set some things in order and culture and the church and all that stuff. This is the purpose of the letter. Avoid bad doctrine, get good doctrine. Okay? I'm encouraging you. I'm also challenging you. Maybe even disciplining you in a few areas because you want to leave. Bad son, stay. Oh, and just in case, Timothy, you end up leaving and rejecting what I'm telling you, I'll hand you over to the devil. Period. Reminds me of dad. Now listen to me. You saw how your son behaved? Or you see how your, your, your brother behaved in, in, in the restaurant? Yes, dad. You do that? Yeah, I'll beat you. Come on. How many had a good dad like that? I did. Right? I mean, sometimes that smacked me before going, whack, what was that for? That's what you're going to get if you act up in there. That's why I ain't got no bum. It's just... Spank so much. Just little warnings, right? Timothy, catch this. This is how serious this is. If you decide you don't want to do it, I'm going to hand you over to Satan like I did the other guys. Period. End of story. Church, what, what's God saying to us today? What's God saying to us today? He's saying really several things, but as we conclude right now, there are some of you in here right now and you need Jesus desperately. You, you, need, you need Christ. And, and, and Paul wants you to know something as he wrote to Timothy. He came for you. He came for you. He took the initiative. He took the sacrifice. He took the pain. He took your sin. He took your torment. He took your shame. He took your poverty. He took all of that on himself. He came for you so that you could have something better. And you are sitting here right now. 
and you know that you know that you know that you need Jesus. And you can argue and you can debate and you can say, well, I don't know. No, he's talking to you. Christ came for you. But that's not the only thing that Paul is saying. Paul is saying, church, it's time to get some things together. It's time to realize that that Christ did not come so you could have a little community group on Sunday morning. Christ Jesus did not come so that you could give some handouts after church. Christ Jesus did not come so you could get together and worship and woohoo! No, Christ changed you just like he changed Paul. Paul understood his call that I exist for a purpose. I am living for Christ Jesus so that others can see Christ Jesus in me. See, I'll be honest with you. I have a problem with people that call themselves Christians, but then you look at their life and you can't see Christ nowhere. There's really no half ways. There's, you're either a Christian or you need Christ today. That's it. That's it. And in case, Christian, you aren't getting this, I'll hand you over to the devil. Where are you at today? Christ Jesus came for you. And all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. The only reason we're saved today is because we were sinners. Christ came for us. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is amazing. It's, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than each other. So do me a favor, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes for a moment. I want you to think about how this, this message impacts you. Because no matter which category you fall in, it's time to surrender. It's time to surrender to Jesus Allow him to have his good and perfect work in your life. Or church, it's time to surrender to the good and perfect work. When God is calling Christians, he's calling sinners. Calling Christians into action, come on, be the church. Don't leave. When things get bad, don't jump ship. When things are, man, just going really bad, I'm I'm just checking out. No, it's not time to check out, it's time to press in. It's time to press in. It's time to press in. But you don't know how hard it is, Pastor. It doesn't matter. You weren't guaranteed an easy life. You were just guaranteed life. (laughs) Sure, in life more abundant, but a lot of times that happens later. Like when? When I get married? No, when you die. 